the very first step of a closed sale is always an open mind. You look at the older technologies, you're looking at a maximum of around 30 antennas. They can't tell the difference, but we have over 300 antennas. Any liquid that has a flavor to it, we put into a pearl. I'm Richard Gerhart. And I'm Elizabeth Gerhart. You've just heard a few snippets from our show. It was a really great one. Stay tuned. The rest of the show is just fantastic. Want to patent your invention? The chance is near. You've given it heart. Now get it in gear. It's Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. I'm Richard Gearhart, an intellectual property attorney specializing in patents, trademarks, and copyrights. And I'm Elizabeth Gearhart, not an attorney, but I do the marketing for Gearhart Law and I have my own startup. Welcome everybody to Passage to Profit, the road to entrepreneurship, where we talk about small businesses, entrepreneurism, and the intellectual property that helps them flourish. Tonight, we have a very special guest, Merrick Khan, the CEO of Select Sales Development and a certified emotional intelligence expert. And she's also a stand-up comedian, too. This is going to be fun. And then we have Chris Chabara with Athena Security. And this is next level. You guys, if you want to know what the world's going to look like in a year with the security, listen up. And then we have Scott Van Rixel. Now this is so cool. I'm not going to say too much about it, but it has to do with food. So stay tuned. You want to hear these guys. But before we get to our distinguished guests, the IP in the news segment. So please, Elizabeth. Well, Apple, most people think of Apple as a tech company, but they do consumer products too, but they have a new product that is near and dear to my heart. I'm hoping it's out in manufactured by the next time we go on a long flight. It is a wearable electronic device. It's a sleep mask, but you could play your music through your sleep mask. It has bone conduction technology. So you don't have to use your microphone or your headphones anymore. And it can also monitor different things, which I don't know if I like that part. Yeah. Monitoring <laughs> your sleep. Yeah. yeah. But it's, it's pretty cool because you could put it on and have your music and it's all in one place. Well, that is pretty cool. What I do like about it from the pictures is that you can roll over on your side, right? So whenever I try to like lay down and I have my earbuds in, I roll over on my side and it's like the earbud gets like shoved into my ear and right. it becomes very uncomfortable. So I like that part of it too. And also I like a dark environment when I sleep and this is very conducive to that. So you can put your blinders on and sleep anywhere. Right. So to people who say everything that could be created under the sun has been created, not true. People are still getting patents on new products. And if you can mix tech and consumer products together, there's a whole lot that you can do. So keep inventing. Right. And there was even a commissioner of the patent office that once said back in the 1800s that everything that is invented has already been invented so that there was no new technology out there. He was wrong. <laughs> I mean, he just completely blew it on that one. So. so keep inventing, everybody. We love these new products. Anyway, it's time for Richard's Roundtable. Our first guest is Merrick Kahn. What do you think about the last comment you heard? Well, I'm a little nervous about that. It's possible that I'm a little too skeptical, but my first thought is it sounds great because I love to listen to things before I go to sleep. The boring podcast, not this one, but other <laughs> one. But now I'm wondering like if they can tell what stage of REM we are in, what, you know, the next level is well, there's going to be an advertising message that's going to go directly into your brain and you're going to be a vulnerable part of your sleep. And I'm going to wake up like, I don't know why I need to travel to Zimbabwe. I'm in the mood so to buy I'm a new car. I don't. Yes. <laughs> so I'm going to be in the camp of just a little bit afraid of that for now. Yeah, I don't blame you because they had me until they started talking about monitoring things. And there's you know, there's all sorts of things that happen in bed that you don't necessarily want monitored. It's discomforting to know. Chris, what is your take on all this? So my take is Apple comes from a line of history that they like to keep people's privacy. If you look at the way they do things, they're one of the best companies out there to help you keep your privacy. The iPhone itself is probably the most secure phone that's on the market. If you're building apps, you'll understand the privacy they actually take a look at every single app and make sure that it's not taking information 
They give you all the kinds of different kinds of warnings from a consumer standpoint. So the fact that they're coming out with this product, I mean, it seems pretty cool to me. Kenya. So I'm just curious to know, I'm sure they're a smart company and they've done a lot of market research, but I wonder how many people actually wear masks to go to sleep. I'm not one of those people because I feel like I don't like to sleep with anything on my face and I would probably wake up very startled. So I'm just curious to know how much data they have on actual mask wearers. And if, if that is the best device or feature in terms of allowing people to listen to music comfortably while they sleep, because I just... I don't, I just don't think there'd be a lot of people who'd want to wear a mask, but maybe I'm wrong. Well, after what we just went through with COVID, maybe you're right. <laughs> right. <laughs> I could see it for the airplane though. Definitely. Oh yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. There's a market you know, there. And other places like that, maybe not every night to sleep. Scott, what are your thoughts? I think the big difference between the mask and let's say your Garmin watch is Garmin watch is really only able to monitor your heart rate, maybe your blood oxygen level versus something that actually has a direct ability to feed back to you via your ears, you know, what you can hear. You know, your garment's not able to talk to you in the way that you would have something on your head. And the other thing is being able to track eye movements is something your Garmin watch isn't doing. And there's a lot of psychiatry in that, let's say, biofeedback from your eye movements. So I think there's a big difference between something keeping your heart rate and something that can not only keep your heart rate, but then talk to you while you're in a altered state of being asleep. And I do think there is a big market for eye masks. Walk into Bed Bath & Beyond and there's a pretty big section of them for sale. It's an interesting concept. I may try it anyway. And so if they could train me to eat less using this method, I'm on board. So... (laughs) Anyway, let's get to the show. It's time to get to the show. Thank you, everyone. That was really a great discussion. And we will be right back with more Passage to Profit after this. There's never been a better time to start your own business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearheart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs, ideas, and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit gearheartlaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Passage to Profit continues with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. And we have with us Merrick Khan, the CEO of Select Sales Development, and she's a certified emotional intelligence expert. And she's also a stand-up comedian too. She was telling us before the show that she played to a full house last night in Colorado. So, And she teaches you how to do sales. So I guess she knows how to do sales if she's filling up the house, right? (laughs) (laughs) So welcome to the show, Merrick. Tell us about your company? My company is called Select Sales Development, and we spell it S-E-L-L-E-C-T. But we really want people to stop selling and start getting selected. See how we did that there? That was very (laughs) clever. But we work with a lot of entrepreneurs. We also work with big multinational or international brands. And we teach a process we call the Open for Business Framework. And it's really based on three key components. So mindset, what you think, mechanics, what you say, motion, what you do. And I would argue that anything that you do in life is going to come down to being successful in these three areas. You know, some people just are the go-getters and they're constantly in action, but if you're not saying the right things, it's not going to work out. Or you won't get into action if you fundamentally believe that things can't get any better than they are. So why would I bother? Right? So you have to work on mindset. And that's really what we do. We help entrepreneurs uh, specifically who are very good at what they do, but they just think business development should be a little bit easier and they're frustrated. So we give them the words and we work on their plan and get their mind right. How you say something is sometimes very important. So what do you tell entrepreneurs? What are the right things to say? Well, I happen to believe that there are four magic words that really transform just about any conversation. 
And if you're open to it, I'd be more than happy to share them with you. Of Thanks course. So that was a little bit of a trick question. I actually just shared them. Are you open to? And if you are watching us, uh, you can see there's always a pillow in my background that reminds people, are you open to what I'm having to share with you? But it also reminds me because I'm looking at my Zoom screen every day or Google or whatever hangout area you're on. And I'm always reminding myself, am I open to what everybody else is sharing? But really the, the main message is a closed mind never buys. And so the very first step of a closed sale is always an open mind. There is a very big distinction between are you interested in and are you open to? And if you think about it, in fact, there was a study that was done out of Pepperdine University a number of years ago, and they asked people, would you consider yourself more open-minded than the average? And 95% of respondents said yes. So I don't know about you guys, but I'm not really a math person. Uh, maybe that works in new math, but back in the old days when I learned math, 95% of us cannot be better than the average. <laughs> So what we learn from that is that we want to identify, most people want to identify as somebody who is open-minded. If I ask you, are you interested in learning about our sales training programs? It's pretty easy for you to say no, because it has no impact on who you are as a human being. But if I say, are you open to learning a little bit about how we've helped people and to see if it's a good match, it's harder for you to say no to that. Because now I'm asking about something that's a personal to your identity. So that's where your emotional intelligence expertise comes in. Yeah. I'd like to think so. But words are so important. And I want to go back to something you said at the very beginning, because this is something my business coach always tells me every time we talk. She's like, you have to work on what you're saying to yourself. You have to work on yourself speak. You have to know you can do this. That's where it starts. That is like the first step in your program, right? When you work with people. It is. Uh, and we really believe strongly in the importance of a strong sales mindset, leadership mindset, success mindset, fill in the blank, but really mindset is the first piece of the puzzle. Now, what's tricky is it sounds great to be like, oh yeah, I'm working on my mindset. What does that mean? How exactly do I do that? Is that just like affirmations in my mirror, writing stuff down, changing automatic thoughts in my head? Like I personally needed something more specific. So I think there are three parts of a strong mindset and we break them down this way. There's your internal mind. That is what you say to yourself. So we do a beliefs inventory. Let's look at what you believe about money, about high level decision makers, about your offers, about what is an appropriate amount of money, what you think you're worth, right? Like those kinds of sales things about I'm, I'm taking notes here, by the way. So <laughs> okay, good. Um, <laughs> pull over to the so, side of the road so, and write it down if you're driving. Yeah. So internal mindset is what you say to yourself. Then there's your behavioral mindset. Think about that in terms of what your actions say to other people. And a good way to understand how you're wired from a behavioral standpoint is one of the many behavioral assessments there are in the marketplace. We haven't cornered the market on that, but many people have been exposed to disc profiles as an example. And those are really the gold standard. And there's many iterations. There's what animal are you? What color are you? What shape are you? But essentially there's four types of behavioral styles. We all kind of have a type that we are most wired to behave in that frame. And when we understand what that is for ourselves, we can adjust. If we don't understand it, we're kind of at the mercy of it. So that's the second piece, behavioral mind, what your actions say to others. And the third piece of the puzzle is your emotional mind. And if you think about that in terms of the way that your emotions have you interact with others, that's incredibly important. Can I just give you a quick example? I, yeah. A couple of years ago, when lots of things changed in the world, it was very difficult for salespeople to know what to do. How do I act now? Is it appropriate to be making business development calls? Should I stop? There's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of change. There were people that were wired with high empathy and low assertiveness. Those are two emotional intelligence attributes we can assess for. And if you were wired like that, your call might be, hey, I'm just checking in. I know everything's crazy. How are you? Now, even if you had a good offer that could help somebody, you wouldn't say it 
because your empathy for what they might be going through is high and your assertiveness is low. Now, if you flip it and your assertiveness is high and your empathy for others is low, you're going to be that jerk that calls and says, hey, if I could show you a way that blah, blah, blah could solve your problems, it's too aggressive. And it showed a complete lack of understanding of what people were dealing with. So that guy wasn't getting any business. What you want is a balance. So what that sounded like in real language is, hey, I know things are crazy out there. I wanted to first check in on you. I know we can't solve all of the world's problems right now, but if you're open to it, can we have a conversation about how we might be able to work with you to eliminate one of the stresses that you're dealing with? And so it's empathy for others, but assertiveness with my own solutions. And that's a good example of how understanding how your own emotional mindset can support you or sabotage you without you even knowing it. That's what it's all about. So do you hold training sessions for individuals and corporations and entrepreneurs? Yes, we do. So a lot of times how it works is I go and I do a keynote at a large conference and I sort of open people's minds to new possibilities, explain the framework. And then oftentimes companies will bring me in to work with their entire sales team, director of sales, et cetera. And we create, we look at what are the structures that are in place today and then where are the small tweaks that we need to make. When I'm working with an entrepreneur, they really appreciate being able to join our virtual programs where they're interacting with other entrepreneurs just like them, real go-getters. We screen out very, very deliberately all the know-it-alls because we don't want to work with them. They're just too exhausting. So (laughs) you've got to be open-minded to come to our programs to learn about how to open other people's minds. That's the key. I'm curious about the assertiveness scale. And is that a learned behavior or is that something that people work on? What I love about emotional intelligence tools and assessments is that it really is something that you can develop and change. It can grow. It tends to grow. Your emotional intelligence levels tend to grow over time. As you would expect, you have more experiences. You've learned different coping mechanisms and how to minimize your stress and your automatic trigger responses. But assertiveness in and of itself is not necessarily one of the top five for top performing salespeople based on the research that I've seen, but it is important. So what I like to remind people is it's interesting to note where your levels are in each individual attribute. But where the real magic is, is in the relationships between those emotional intelligence attributes, which is why I really think it's important to choose the right assessment tool as a starting point, but also the person who's helping you see what these results really mean. You have to have somebody who understands the nuances of the role that you're in. Because I understand sales and leadership minds so well, and I've been working in that space for more than 20 years, I can look at how they are wired and pick out the combinations that will make the biggest difference for them in achieving the result that they want in sales and leadership. That's going to be an important piece of the puzzle. I know Kenya has got to have a comment on this. Oh, yeah. And I do. It's so interesting and great information. Just curious, you had mentioned like characteristics of top performers. Can you share some of those? And I just was also wondering how you've used being a comedian to kind of come into being this emotional intelligence expert. The top five emotional intelligence attributes for sales professionals are self-actualization. That's really understanding who you are, where I'm at. Independence is another one. Like I can take in information and counsel from outside sources, but at the end of the day, I rely on my own independent thinking to make decisions and and choose a direction. Self-regard is another one. That's very distinct from self-esteem. So self-esteem is something you get from the outside in. Like last night when people said, oh, you did a great job. That was really funny. That helped my self-esteem. But self-regard emanates from the inside out. That's how I feel about my own set, how I feel about my own performance. Optimism is another one high on the list. That's being able to see things working out. If you are more wired for reality testing or you know, you're the person that plays devil's advocate, like let me point out all the bad things that could go wrong. That's important. You want to see the obstacles in your path, but ultimately 
it's very difficult to get into action on any agenda if all you see are the obstacles. You want to be able to see the light at the end of the tunnel. And then assertiveness, if I'm honest, is probably number five on the list. So you really do need to be able to assert your solutions as a good fit. I started studying stand-up comedy in 2014 specifically because I wanted to be funnier in my keynote and training programs. And what happened was like, I couldn't imagine it, but I ended up really liking just the pure comedy of it. So I do both, but I find it interesting because what I have learned in both different, very different domains is read your audience, like read the room, don't step over whatever needs to be said in that space. And also people, when they're lightened up, when they're laughing, that's when the messages really can be received. And so there's a strategic reason I build a lot of humor into any of my training programs because it's in that mindset that people really will get the lessons. They'll remember them when I talk about them inside of a a humorous context. I just want to go back to something you said about the optimism, because I worked with somebody trying to do a website, whatever. Everybody was garbage. Like, nah, this guy's no good. Nah, that guy's no good. And it made me stuck. Like you cannot move forward If you have somebody that you're listening to who's shooting down every single proposal that comes up from every single person. So I don't work with that person anymore on my website. You're never going to be satisfied. And I'm optimistic that I can trust this person and work with them. So I think optimism for me anyway, is a very important thing to have. Absolutely. And I'm wired like that too. I'm very high optimist, but you know, full disclosure, reality testing is not one of my strong suits. I've really had to pay attention to that and work on that. Because what that shows up, it shows up everywhere for me. It could be, you know, getting somewhere on time. And I'm optimistic that in rush hour in Denver, there won't be traffic. Well, that's <laughs> kind of stupid, actually. <laughs> you know, that's, that's a complete lack of reality. So it shows up in how I plan my route to get somewhere. And it shows up in everything. As, you know, a, a client or a prospect says, Merit, we love what you're talking about. Your program sounds amazing. It's like, Sounds like a great fit. And all I hear is great. We're going to get this done. But learning that I'm not naturally wired as high in reality testing as I am in optimism, I force myself to say some of the questions that I teach my own clients, which is, I appreciate that you're excited. I love your enthusiasm. I'm just curious if there was something that you know, you weren't as enthusiastic about, I'd really love to know what that is. If there's any potential obstacles that we should talk about, it's better to get that out up front than go to sleep, going shopping the next day. Cause I just closed the deal. <laughs> it's better to, to ask a few questions. Do you have a success story you can share? I mean, people coming into your program and maybe their sales are X number a year. What does it look like when they're done with your program, implementing your suggestions? Recently, I was talking to a woman who was actually just in one of my audiences, keynote audience I did. And I was talking about the relationship between how you buy and how you sell. We were talking a little bit about the mindset piece. And she realized that she was about to present a proposal for a much smaller dollar amount than what would have really served the client. And she contacted me after the event and said, because I was in your audience and you said this one thing, I closed a deal that was $75,000 more than I would have. And it's not because I overcharged the client. It's because I added back in the services that really were going to serve them well. Uh, I realized that they got the program that they really needed. I'm able to do the work that I really need to do and everything worked out. So that was an example of just how quickly it can happen for people, even just in a in a keynote session where you you normally think, oh, we're just going to be inspired and motivated and then we're going to go away. But she actually really got some good, you know, concrete value from that short program, put it into action, kudos to her and 
had a great result. I'm working with a engineering company, manufacturing company, and I'm training a bunch of engineers how to have sales conversations. And <laughs> that's like a whole nother story. <laughs> that's, so that's a whole nother day. Yeah, everyone, Merrick Merrick Khan here, uh, and she's a sales expert and an emotional intelligence expert. We have to take a break now, but, but where can website? people find you if they want to learn more? The training company is selectsales.com, S-E-L-L-E-C-T-S-A-L-E-S. And I also have a website that's more for my speaking events, and that's meritcon.com. So it's M-E-R-I-T-K-A-H-N.com. And you can also just shoot me an email at merit at meritcon.com. Great to have you with us, Merit. And we will be right back with more Passage to Profit after this. There's never been a better time to start your own business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearheart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs, ideas, and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit gearheartlaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now back to Passage to Profit. Once again, Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. Hoping that you'll be open to what Kenya Gibson has to say on Power Move. So Kenya, who do we have tonight? So just speaking of comedians, I know we have Merrick Khan on today. For Power Move, we're going to talk about Byron Allen. He's a former comedian, and he's also the owner of Allen Media Group. And he just got approved by the FCC to purchase WCOV TV for $28.5 million, but that's not all. He owns 36 stations in 21 markets, including the Weather Channel, the Grio, and Sports TV. And he's invested over $1 billion over the past two years to purchase network affiliates. And he's now positioned to be the first Black NFL team owner of the Denver Broncos. And the deal is expected to close before the 2022 NFL season begins. So he's our power move for today. On to Fireside now. Yes. So for those of you who don't know, Fireside is a video directory of small businesses. And I've been working on it for a while. I was doing interviews for a while to get content. Now I'm onto the website and I did hire a website person. So we're moving forward. But what I've been doing now is really looking at websites and looking at the branding on websites, because my website, even though it's just like a content holder, it's really, it's a directory, right? So it's all, it's about everybody else. It's not really about my site, but it still has to have its own brand. And Kenya helped me with the logo and the colors and everything. And so now I'm really looking at high-end websites, like marketing websites. And I'm really noticing a, the really good marketers websites like Gary Vee and iHeart, et cetera. They don't use a whole lot of colors. They limit to like four colors. And so I'm really trying to learn the branding aspects so I can use them for my site. All right. So now on to Chris Chabara with Athena Security. And this is next generation. So I'm just going to let him explain everything. Welcome, Chris. Thank you. So what we do is it's a walkthrough metal detector next generation. Uh, if you look at current technologies, you have to take everything out of your pockets, out of your, out of your bags and all that. Our technology, you can just walk right through with your bags. It won't detect your cell phone, won't detect your keys, and will detect if there's a weapon on your body or if it's in a bag. Um, that's the technology that we just released. So it will detect the dangerous stuff. Correct. How does it distinguish between a weapon and something that's not a weapon? So we go after mass casualty weapons. Let me just be clear with that. If you're looking at like a plastic, you know, homemade type of weapon, it's not going to detect it. We, we go after the, the weapons that have, you know, six or more bullets in them, something that can do a lot of casualties. And the way it detects that is multiple sensors. We have technology that can detect the thickness of a metal. The different technologies have more antennas. So if you look at the older technologies, you're looking at a maximum of around 30 antennas. They can't tell the difference, but we have over 300 antennas. That way we can tell the difference between a small object or a large object 
and we can tell the thickness of that metal and what type of metal it is, which is really important because a lot of people these days, you know, they have metal in their bodies, right? They have titanium in their bodies and their spine or skull uh, for replacement parts. And we ignore all that because we can tell the different types of metals that are out there. That's really great. Uh, my mom had an artificial hip and every time she went through a metal detector at an airport, it was a big deal. She had to explain, they would pull her off to the side and you know, thought she was hiding a bomb or something in her leg. And so I can see that there would be a lot of extra convenience for this. Is this something that airlines would use or schools, stores, kind of what is your target market for this? Absolutely. So we started out um, with the schools because everyone was getting shot on TV back in 2018. Um, when I sold my last company, um, we were kind of bored and we wanted to decide what we wanted to do for our next uh, company. And then after all the kids were dying on TV, we decided to build this. So yeah, it, it belongs everywhere. We started out with the schools, but now we're already in hospitals. We're in an airport over in Seattle. We're in Fortune 500 companies. A lot of events will do it for gateways into events, stadiums. So you name it, we're pretty much there if you need weapons detection. So Chris, do people see it? Like, could you hide it so that people didn't really know? Exactly. So it comes in two form factors. Um, one is two poles. Um, you can pretty much set them up within 60 seconds uh, really quickly, easily, or you can build them into a frame um, so they don't even know it's there, which is the beauty of it. Now, it also has advancements like, you know, has a camera built in. It has different things so we can know who that person is, send an alert to your security team that someone's coming in the building with a weapon. And that way everyone gets alerted right away and you don't have any kind of lapse. A lot of times security guards aren't paid the most and someone can sneak in real easily and people are unaware of what's going on because, you know, you don't have like 10 security guards. You have one maybe at the front and they're doing 10 different things at once and people can slip by. So, so do you have like a voice that goes over a loudspeaker at Macy's saying, attention, attention, there's a serial killer in the store. Well, it does have voice feedback if you want it on. <laughs> Maybe it goes in your headband, right? But, but, you, know? you know, this is this is really valuable because I don't know if you've been to the airport lately, but people are flying again, like they're trying to make up for all the time they lost. <laughs> and so how could you expect somebody looking at the x-rays of luggage to possibly see everything that's in there? And so, and, and they've shown on the news or people have missed stuff. And so this is really great because it's another layer of protection. Exactly. I, I, to be honest with you, I actually took a weapon through an airport by accident because I was doing a lot of demos in 2018. My gun actually got through the airport. So yeah, it, it does happen. Obviously, we don't want it to happen, but nothing's foolproof these days. So having a system in there that does the work for you is a lot easier and it helps with the little mishaps. So the old technology, as I understood it, you could like actually see the person's body as they go through and get scanned. It's a little bit different. So if you look at the technologies that are out there, they're using a millimeter wavelength. They're using terahertz. They emit you know, a little form of what we call radiation. And we wanted to build something that didn't emit radiation. And yeah, we don't do an outline of the actual body itself. We just detect the metals. See, that's why I stopped flying because I don't <laughs> want anybody looking I don't in, really a, in a security booth at my body. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> like Kenya, do you have any questions, Kenya? I do. And I actually have an airport story. So I got pinched coming back from vacation with an iron that my husband bought while on vacation and had to go to security. And it was like this very <laughs> embarrassing thing. But I just an was iron? wondering, an iron, like that you iron clothes with. I'm like, why, I'm like, why, why am I carrying this? Exactly. Why am I carrying it home, right? So I was the one that got carried at home and I got pinched in the airport and had to get pulled to the side. It was so embarrassing. But I, I was curious to know, do you feel like we're safer now or in the past? Like, I know you can't detect how crazy people are, but I'm just curious. <laughs> well, think I think that's a really good question because I'm open to all the different <laughs> things that are happening out there. And it, it really comes down to technology and what people are interfaced with. And if you look at today, there's more killing games. There's more death on TV. You know, this to, to young people, their minds haven't been developed yet. And that's why you see, I think a lot more people going out and doing mass shootings, right? Because um, they might have a little bit of mental issue and they're seeing all this stuff on TV or in a video game and they go do it. There's a lot to be said about what you see every day and what you do every day and what's happening today. So yeah, I think there's a lot more crime happening because of the fact what we're experiencing every day. 
people get notoriety when they commit these kinds of crimes. And I guess that's always been the case, but that's part of the motivation, I think, for some people. This really is the next generation of technology. Are you going to keep building on this and go for more and more detection type of software, hardware combos? Absolutely. So a lot of our clients have requests and we're fulfilling those requests, whether it's connecting into third-party security platforms or whether it's uh, putting a new technology um, like a bomb threat type of detection into the platform. So Chris, your market really is like the schools and stuff, but I think that you need people listening and entrepreneurs seeing this on social media and stuff to go to their schools or go to their government officials and say, we want this, right? So that's why you're bringing this out here. So people need to be a little bit activist to get this in place. I think it's a good thing to have in place. I agree. Absolutely great talking with you, Chris. Where do people find this? Athena-security.com is where you can find more information or you can go on YouTube and just type in Athena gun detection and you'll find this. Excellent. Well, thank you. Listeners, you are listening to Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart and our special guest today, Merritt Kahn. And we will be right back. What are entrepreneurs' most valuable assets? Their passion and ideas. We can't protect your passion, but we can protect your ideas. Trust Gearheart Law to protect your ideas with premier patent, trademark, and copyright services. There's never been a better time to start your own business. Contact us at GearheartLaw.com. At Gearheart Law, we have years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application, Application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at Gearheart Law. www.gearheartlaw.com. Don't let the wrong protection strategy ruin your business. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection and are licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Contact Gearheart Law on the web at G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. At Gearheart law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs, ideas, and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit GearHeartLaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Passage to Profit continues with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. If you missed our first two presenters, you really have to go hear them on our podcast, which will be out tomorrow on all the major podcast platforms. Wherever you get your podcasts. But I'm sure that this presenter is going to be very entertaining because Scott Van Rixel with Sphera Pearls has a product called Balls of Fire. Let's hear about it. We do a couple different versions. I won't get into the technical, but spherification goes back to the 30s and it's more common in the marketplace now as boba or popping boba. These are food additives. Can you explain exactly how you people use them? Yeah, so popping boba is let's say the larger pearls that you see in the a lot of the um, Asian boba shop teas. It's a it's a ball that when you bite into it it has liquid inside. That's the larger format. And the two smaller format, which are Sphera and Balls of Fire, we do from hot sauce all the way to espresso coffee. And they're used in most cases like a condiment to enhance food products, desserts, drinks, cocktails, you name it. I could just see our son or like any college... (laughs) group saying, okay, I dare you five balls of fire. (laughs) No, I can do six. Like, are these really hot? And do you just, can you eat them straight or do you normally mix them in? We have varying degrees of heat. So like pineapple jalapeno is much more pineapple than jalapeno. And it's, it's got a little heat, but it's relatively mild all the way to the coup de gras, which is the kiss of death. One pearl is pain inflicting at best. And that, that would be um, a mild description. So we do that balls of fire is, is a wide range, pretty much any liquid that has a flavor to it. We put into a pearl. So you actually take maple syrup and yes, then you, you put it into a little ball. 
Um, yeah, absolutely. And it, it looks like caviar. I mean, that that's kind of the impetus of the visual is it's this beautiful little sphere. Anytime something in the sphere refracts light very differently. So instead of um, putting Tabasco onto an oyster, imagine if you had four little perfectly red pearlescent pearls that when you bit into the oyster, you got this burst of the Tabasco flavor rather than the saturated thing. And that, that's really where the pearls come in to their best value is your whole food experience. If there's a flavor there, by your third or fourth bite, your palate really becomes muted to that flavor. Right. By isolating the flavor into these little pearls, as you're eating, every once in a while, you're getting that burst of whatever that particular flavor is. So your palate is always being renewed and it makes the experience of that flavor much more interesting. Again, some are more dessert suited, some are more cocktail suited, some are more savory suited. We do ones with terpenes that have mood enhancement or mood adjustment value. You tie those with the eye goggles and it'll be an apple driven hallucinogenic <laughs> you, I, was just, I was gonna ask you if you have cannabis beads yet but um. we, we do we do actually um, we, we don't make them but we do have a brand uh called can vr and boba wana that we license to state cannabis producers as a, another delivery system i mean that's kind of where this started was i came from the cannabis space after being a chef for a long long time and i uh, had a chocolate company we went public left that because i just it wasn't enjoyable anymore. It wasn't creative. I'm a chef by heart. So running a public company is not my suit and not enjoyable to me. And I wanted to do something that had a high degree of technical difficulty because, you know, everybody's got a gummy, everybody's got a chocolate bar. But in all that came the kind of entrepreneurial thought process of all of popping boba, at least the large format are made in Taiwan. And it was at the beginning of COVID Shipping out of Asia was becoming increasingly difficult. Geopolitically, Taiwan is a difficult spot to say, yes, it's got a future for trade with the U.S. based on right. its interactions with China. And I thought, you know, the ingredient list, the how to get it to here, the where it's made, they're all on the cons. It didn't, as a business model, have a pro. Well, I mean, but the labor is kind of inexpensive. If you have a lot of people making these little balls, then, <laughs> you know, you have, to, uh, you have to outsource it. <laughs> the making it by hand is actually where the small pearls came in because there was a lot of, you know, top tier restaurants, El Boul and Chevron, who were doing this. You have to have someone in the kitchen who's very good at this. It's not cost effective. It's difficult to do. And you have to throw them out at the end of the day because the process, if not done in the reverse, goes bad at the end of the night. So that's where we really saw the savory application was we just finished a batch to send it to Basco for testing where we can mass produce something that's very difficult to do on a large scale and have, let's say, more common restaurants, less Charlie Trotter level restaurants able to have these on as part of their dining experience for the customers in a very cost-effective way. Kenya? I'm fascinated by this because I'm a big foodie. I see it's plant-based, mm -hmm. right? It's a plant-based product. Just curious, um, when you were kind of innovating and you were putting this all together, like was the vision coming from just the boba and the teas or you just as a chef kind of just felt like people needed to have this different food experience? This technology is not something I came up with. This actually goes back to a patent from the 40s that Unilever had. And originally it was a way to make cherries because it was cost effective you you know in between wars there was a an ingredient that was wanted but not easily available the casing on the beyond meat and beyond beef and all those companies for their sausages is actually the same type of boba skin that we do except instead of filling it with plant-based meat we fill it with liquids. So I just want to kind of point out where that plant-based component comes in. The other part of it is let's replace what's in the market that is hard to get from a country that's probably progressively become difficult to do business with. And frankly, the ingredient list coming out of those products is not something that a product principally consumed by kids, I was happy with as a dad. My daughter had a bunch of her friends over for breakfast and my daughter loves waffles, but she doesn't like them to get soggy. So I did the pearls with maple inside. So as you're eating it, you get that pop of the maple flavor, you know, maple syrup. And 
that sensation of popping, there's a whole psychology behind why humans find that. I mean, you can't leave bubble wrap on a counter and whether they're three years old or 80 years old, they want that sensation. Scott, where can you find Sphera Pearls? It's actually at spheraperls.com, which is S-P-H-E-R-A-P-E-A-R-L-S.com. Great. We're going to take a break here. We'll be right back with more Passage to Profit right after this. Hi, I'm Lisa Askley, the inventress, founder, CEO, and president of Inventing A to Z. I've been inventing products for over 38 years, hundreds of products later and dozens of patents. I help people develop products and put them on the market from concept to fruition. I bring them to some of the top shopping networks in the world, QVC, HSN, Evine Live, and retail stores. Have you ever said to yourself, someone should invent that thing? Well, I say, why not? make it you. If you want to know how to develop a product from concept to fruition the right way, contact me, Lisa Askeles, the inventress. Go to inventingatoz.com, inventingatoz.com. Email me, lisa at inventingatoz.com. Treat yourself to a day chock full of networking, education, music, shopping, and fun. Go to my website, inventingatoz.com. There's never been a better time to start your own business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearheart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed, and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit gearheartlaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now back to Passage to Profit. Once again, Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. So welcome back, listeners. My name is Kenya Gibson, a.k.a. The Media Maven, and I'm here with Richard. Good to see you again, Kenya. Yes, we're back for IP we Success are. Stories. And this is actually a story kind of like how to avoid being a failure, which I, I guess is success, but it's all about a client who came to me after he had purchased a furniture store in New Jersey, and he spent $3 million for the store and the person he bought it from was really old school. They never had a website, no social media. They've been there for 30 years. They had a great reputation in the community as being a great store and the owner retired. Our client bought the store, but they never did a trademark search Mm. before they bought the store. So the first thing that our client did was they put up a website. And you'll never guess what happened. They got pinched. (laughs) They got pinched, right. (laughs) They got a cease and desist letter. And it turns out that another company, another furniture store in Maryland, had used exactly the same name. And they filed a trademark on it a long, long time ago. And so they had superior rights to even the client who bought the store, even though it was 30 years old. It's crazy. And he paid $3 million, about $3 million for the store. Right. And what would it have cost him if he would have did a trademark search? Maybe $700. maybe a thousand dollars but he didn't the lawyer that he was working with in the transaction didn't check that box i guess minor detail minor detail and he ended up getting the cease and desist letter as soon as he put up the website because i guess the other owner he didn't know that our client store was even out there but when the client put up a website the other person found it bam cease and desist letter so what what ended up happening did he have to change the name we went back and forth and we negotiated a settlement he fortunately did not end up getting sued so we did a great job of at least keeping him out of court but he ended up paying a big chunk of money a large percentage of the value that he paid for that store because he needed to keep the name. The business thrived because people knew of that store and they knew of the reputation and the service. And if he had had changed the name, all of that investment of 30 years would have been gone. Mm. Uh, And so he ended up paying the trademark owner in Maryland uh, a really, you know, hefty sum. And I guess uh, he learned his lesson. So Well, I mean, I, how often does that happen? Probably more than we think it does, where people just jump out the window with a name and don't 
due that, to the due diligence. That's right. And you would think, I mean, he had reason to believe that after being in business 30 years and never having had a problem with the trademark, the previous owner probably never checked either. So it was probably just innocent. But the fact was, is that they didn't check. And you're right. It happens way too often. It's such a simple thing to do a trademark search, find out what's out there, make sure that you don't put yourself in trouble. And one of the hardest things, though, is when you have a client who has a new project, they have a name, and they're just so attached to the name. They become infatuated with the name of their business. They don't want to let it go. And then they take crazy risks. They, their name is a little bit different than another registration. Mm-hmm. And you tell them, no, don't do it. They do it anyway. And, and <laughs> you take a big risk because lots of times you get into big trouble. Sure, sure. And it's just not worth it in the long run. It's not. It's really not. And sometimes it's better just to try a different name. And there's lots of names out there that are available. Or call you. Or call us. (laughs) We'll get you through the process. www.gearheartlaw.com. Or you can just call. It's 908-273-0700. Check us out and we can at least get you started on the right track. There you go. What are entrepreneurs' most valuable assets? Their passion and ideas. We can't protect your passion, but we can protect your ideas. Trust Gearheart Law to protect your ideas with premier patent, trademark, and copyright services. There's never been a better time to start your own business. Contact us at GearheartLaw.com. At Gearheart Law, we have years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So, If you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at Gearheart Law, www.gearheartlaw.com. Don't let the wrong protection strategy ruin your business. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection and are licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Contact Gearheart Law on the web at G-E-A-R-H-A. A-R-T-L-A-W.com. Together, we can change the world. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now more with Richard and Elizabeth. Passage to Profit. What a show. I mean, oh. it was just outstanding, don't you think? I think it was very entertaining. There was a lot of humor. Of course, Merrick Kahn, who was our guest, is a comedian and has many other skills. And you can find her at selectsales.com, S-E-L-L-E-C-T sales.com. So select has two L's in it because she's helping you sell. Or you can find her on her website, MeritCon.com, M-E-R-I-T-K-A-H-N.com. And then we had Chris Jabara with athenasecurity.com. That's Athena, A-T-H-E-N-A dash security.com. Look at what he's doing on his website and go tell your local politicians that you want this at your airport, your schools, wherever you need to detect a gun. Yeah, It has 300 sensors instead of 30. So it's 10 times better. It's less obtrusive, but it's also an extra layer of security. I mean, I think this is just fantastic. Pushing the envelope forward constantly. Very innovative. And the guards won't see an outline of your body. (laughs) If they want to look, (laughs) God help them. Anyway, and then we had Scott Van Rixel with Sphera Pearls. So little super strong, tasty pearls that you add to your food. And watch out for the kiss of death one. That could kill you. um, He's perfected the art of mouth bursting food. And you can find those at S-P-H-E-R-A pearls.com. And if you missed any of the show, of course, our podcast is out tomorrow. So Kenya, we're open to your comments now. Yeah. So today's show was all about sales, sriracha and security. And we all got to laugh and have a good time. So if you want to learn and laugh, tune into Passage to Profit. Oh, that's that's pretty good. You we always do such uh, a great summary. You're a good wrapper upper, no <laughs> doubt. But before we sign <laughs> off, I'd like to remind our, our audience that while believed correct, this is not legal advice. And then if you do have any any IP issues, you should take them up with an intellectual property professional. And before we go, I'd like to thank our producer, Noah Fleischman, our program coordinator, Alicia Morrissey, and our video editor, Chatter Boss. And don't forget to like us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And we'll be back next week with another fascinating episode of Passage to Profit. 